we're back. It's October 27th at about 9.20 p.m. I'm here with my original illustrious co-host. Mm-hmm. And we're recording, not exactly live, but, you know, for your purpose. Yeah, you know the drill, folks. It's live enough. It's live enough. It's as live as any live production nowadays. So, uh, I wonder, I do wonder, because, like, I'm not getting a great read, so I wonder... Well, we don't know if... Should I go right or left? I'm turning up the input over here. Is that better now? Like, I can hear us more, but I don't know if it's exactly better. Not better, just different. Not better, just worse. And, like, I just heard my chair creak, but on the visual thing, I have nothing. Like, Like we're at the optometrist. Yeah, like, if I'm looking at this, it doesn't look good. So I wonder if I... Folks, what you're hearing is two people that know nothing about audio recording trying to record audio. So I wonder if I turn... Oh, maybe that did it. That was the one? Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's picking up less... The biggest thing, if anybody who listens wants to send us any pointers uh we'd like to know how to record a great podcast on GarageBand because I'm looking at this red line and there's nothing matter of fact let's go ahead and stop it all right we're back I don't know we don't know what's going on it could be a new studio we're in a three million dollar studio that's an approximate figure, you know. We haven't factored it's definitely in. more than that. We haven't factored in all the soundproofing and uh, manual labor. Manual labor, the um, the screens that we've got going. You know, the screens were very expensive. There are four of them right now. We're looking to expand, actually. Multiple microphones. Um, actually, Kanye was just in here. He, he was, was just. I think he and uh, some <clears throat> other fellow. Uh, Joe Rogan, Ro- is it Rojogan or Joe Rogan? I think one one of them. Rojapin. It's like a one word name. Oh, okay. Ro-Japin. Yeah, that that makes sense because he does, you know, he does do martial arts. That sounds like, uh, you know, that, that sounds about right. Um, they they we just have somebody here for the what, outro music. What is it? Oki. Says his name's Steve Oki. Aoki? That's not right. He yeah, can't, he's, that's not true. I don't know, but they, they were borrowing. Name. They were borrowing the studio, and um, some marshmallow-looking guy. So we're still getting used to it. It's not. We're not exactly up to speed yet. You know, we're just very busy doing other things, managing multi-billion-dollar ventures. Um, you know that that span uh, multiple continents, but. Yeah, Primarily eBay. Very boring. Very boring. Very technical. Very dry. And uh, But we're glad to be back. I don't remember what we were just talking about before we started recording. I think it was election-related information. It was election-related. I thought of something, though, that I just need to get off because I want to have this conversation. Do you go to the optometrist much? Never. No? Never been once. 
Ever? Never. Ever. It's going to be a one-sided conversation. <clears throat> but my dad did tell me if I wanted to go into any profession of a medical nature, go into optometry because it, it was the office he visited was very clean. Yep. You're not touching anybody. No. Nope. <laughs> You're barely even a doc. Are optometrists really doctors? They're similar to a pharmacist. Uh, I don't know if I... Eh. I would say that's not true. So I think there's multiple levels also. I think there's some that deal with like just literal sight. Um, this is all just speculation, so it could be completely accurate is what I'm getting at. Um, and I think there are some that also deal with underlying conditions that relate to sight. So if I were to go to my optometrist and my eyesight continued to get worse, there could be some underlying conditions of like diabetes or something. I have that history in my family. I think he would pass me off at that point and just cut ties with me and uh, you know, he'd kick me to the curb, basically. So I think he would send me to a specialist because, you know, when you can't go to one, there's always a specialist. Right. But do you know what happens when you go? No. I imagine okay. it's like when you go to the DMV. It's a little bit. Yeah, it, I, okay, yeah. Actually, kind of. So that is part of it on a surface, but more specifically... When you do have some kind of correctional lenses, just for a probably completely inaccurate term, they put this giant machine over your face, and it just kind of hovers like the mic is right now, and you shove your face into it, and they just flip these different lenses for you to tell them which one's better and which one's worse. There's no more pressure... I don't know if I've felt more pressure in anything than trying to figure out because some of them are so minuscule that it's mm. just, it looks the same. But you have this fear in the back of your mind that you're never going to be able to see correctly because of your own doing. So it's literally like your eyes adjust for a millisecond and then you go, they go, is this better? And you go, you don't you don't quite answer for a second and you're like in your brain you're like I don't want to answer this wrong is it better I don't know I can't tell no and he'll, he'll do that <clears throat> if you go to a good one they'll give you the casual pause too one or two one or two and that's supposed to be your cue for art now you have to make a decision there would be some people that probably would say, I don't make snap decisions. <laughs> I, I don't know those people, but they probably say it about me. <clears throat> and I've been known to sit there for at least 30 seconds. Can you show it to me one more time? Well, yeah. Because I need to find the right answer. Yes. I need to find the right answer. I just need the time to do it. But sometimes they're just like, does it look about the same? Like, I mean, yeah, it kind of does. And you're expecting them to go back to it again. They're like, all right. And you just flip and you'll never see the same again. So do you think it's like, do they do it progressively where like the first one is a clear, stark difference between one and two? And they're just like, okay, we're trying to establish a baseline. 
So I think there is a baseline to it. I think a lot of it too is based on what your previous exam was or what your previous prescription was. <clears throat> so I think there's a different like levels if I were to assume based on maybe distance. They're doing their job. They're trying to find the best answer for you. Their biggest downfall to that is they're relying on you. I want to go there because they're going to tell me <clears throat> and they rely on me. So I guess in essence, anybody who wears glasses is an optometrist. <laughs> they have all the same experiences of the one <clears throat> in the, at least in the, uh, what did you call that? In the examination room. I had a great guy that, and I had gone for a while before I needed anything because like my grandparents wore glasses my mom wears glasses. My dad wears, like, reading glasses now. He, I think, just doesn't want to admit he needs glasses. He might actually have a pair now. Anyways, so I started going when I was younger, just in case. And I went to a really good guy. And all I knew about him was he went to Ohio State. He was a massive Buckeyes fan. And he always talked about his daughters. But outside of that, like, I don't know. And he didn't, he, I saw as I got older, he progressively put on weight mm -hmm. to where he was skinny when I first went. And he was, you know, mid-range, he had a gut. He was starting to build his gut. And then by the end, I would say he was heftier. That's about all I took out of it. So, I can't see because of it. But <laughs> I guess that's the moral of the story. So, in other words, optometrist putting on weight leads to vision loss of the patients. I, I don't want to say that's the hypothesis and the theory all combined into one and verified, but I, that's essentially what it is. And I'm not confirming or denying what, what your hypothesis is, but from an objective point of view, it sounds like the guy did get lazy and your vision did not improve. That both are true. <laughs> the one thing I would offer in his defense, because, <clears throat> is it like the, what is it, like a couple's theory or a happiness theory or something like that when you're in a relationship and you stop looking like that or when two people get together, they naturally stop looking and stop working out as much. I don't know if that's true as much anymore because i think there's a lot of people that you know people get together share the same interests that they were working out and things like that they continue to go to the gym but i think there's some theory like that or some circumstance maybe it's in shows but <clears throat> the one thing i'd offer in his defense is it possibly that his job because we've kind of walked through what his steps are for the day he is a doctor, he makes good money, was a happiness weight that he continually built upon because by that time, you know, he's a seasoned vet. He shows up, knows what to do, gets in, probably gets out. I don't know how much work you take home as an optometrist. <laughs> was a happiness weight that he put on. And also, once his daughters <clears throat> got through Ohio State, which is right. no, you know... Once they got through, he just... Yeah, one or two. What uh, what else we got on the menu yep. today? <laughs> Once Son. that tuition bill was paid, he wasn't... Yeah. 
He wasn't worried about too much more. And I don't... At one point, I did go back to him. It was around the time that I moved. But I think the last time I went back to him, he was maybe not talking about retirement. But I think he was talking about leaving to go somewhere else. Whether that was an extended vacation or he had made his nut and he was good for life. That's not a bad career. What you brought up before, the couples, you know, kind of teetering and then finally, you know, either letting go or they have the same interests. What I have found, personally, anecdotally, is get into a good relationship, you know, with somebody that you really like, you enjoy their company, you like their input, um, you really value their anything that they say. You appreciate that they want to do things for them. And then what you do is you torpedo that relationship. <laughs> completely <clears throat> burn that bridge. Whether you cheat on them, you do something, you know, you just don't pay them enough attention. Maybe you don't give them that. You, you don't even give them the time of day. Find somebody who is so out of their mind that you then become the stable, you know, you become their rock. They're kind of just bouncing stuff off of you. That's when you really find out what you're made of. (laughs) Get with a psycho for a little while. That way you'll know, oh, okay, you know, you, you kind of discover, okay, like this is... This is an unhealthy amount of insecurity that I'm dealing with on a daily basis, but I, I can manage it versus, you know, if you really want to get weird about it, just stay with them for a really long time and you're going to be like an undercover cop who is in the, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're like in the mob for too long and then they're like, what, you know, what happened to, you know. What happened to that guy? Like, his handler hasn't heard from him. Like, we're really worried about him. The important thing with that is to do it early on. Because by the time you can have that done, most people that you grew up with back home are settled down and married and stuck in it by that point. Had no chance to even get out of it. (laughs) We joke about it because it, you know... Because we care. <laughs> it's easier than, you know, being upset by it. <laughs> and because I'll be on it, like, I've been in those ones before where it took some easing back into normal life. And you have a gut, too. <laughs> Figuratively and literally at literally. that point. Literally. Is there another short beverage in there? Yes. Um, when we say figuratively, folks, what we mean is... <clears throat> Don't go. That, yes. Uh, I feel like... Do you feel this way that like a person always kind of knows when they're doing something the wrong way? Like, you're not quite going about it the right way. You're not quite hitting the mark. And even in your most, when you look back and you think about the periods where you're like, holy shit, what the fuck was I doing? Or what was I thinking? And you kind of, even in those 
days, you kind of always knew, like, there, this just isn't right. Something about this doesn't quite jive <clears throat> with what I know my constitution is. So, I don't... <clears throat> I'm a very, like... future looking guy I feel like and I think many people have this point but you look forward based on you know let's take a finance term you put together projections Mm -hmm. in your mind and those are based on growth rates and current trends and things like that and I think you sit there. I don't know this. Many other people would have a better sense of this than I do. But I would think most people, if there's a time when further down the road, somebody's in like a breakup or a divorce or whatever the circumstance may be, I would think they can't point back and just be like, well, I didn't see it coming at all. At the uh, percentage-wise, it has yeah. to be very low. Yeah. So, I think when you look back at that in current relationships and where those are going versus past ones, it's clear that current ones are have future intentions and are continuing to grow when you look back and you're just like, yeah, that should have been, you know, I should have probably figured that out far before. But I was never like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. There's always, there's just a sense. Even if it's a gut feeling, yeah, it's still there. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at, is like, well, I guess I can't say that either. I don't know. I feel like my... I don't think that I got good at listening to my gut until I was... And you can still say I'm feeling it out now. Is like my mid-twenties is when I kind of stopped. I think it becomes... And also it becomes a matter of like stopping... Like you stop letting people walk all over you. Yeah. there. Yeah, there's the... You can only get beat down so many times to where you're like... And I think part of it, too, because I think I've always had a decent sense of my gut for a long time. And I think part of it, too, though, is having the mindset that... Like, the almost the mindset of, like, even this, too, shall pass. Because... There could be things that, whether it be a job or school or, like, friendship or not even friendship, but maybe just, like, acquaintanceship that has mutual benefits, where at the time it's it's beneficial enough that... And not detrimental enough that it's, you know, like I said, a, this too shall pass type of thing. Where it's not going to impact things 
long term, severely. Now, I think we all know people that have probably been in that same position and thought that same thing and has not been the case. But I think as you get older, you start to understand more and feel more out based on experience and just your gut and trusting who you are and where you came from. And that kind of builds up. And like you say, you know, you're going to get kicked down and run over and all this kind of shit over and over and over. And you just hope that it's soon enough that you start to realize what your baseline is of like, how much can I trust my gut? I feel like even though people say it all the time, it's not an uncommon saying but this too shall pass, I feel like, doesn't get enough attention. Oh, I would 100% agree with that. And we're victims in a way because of the... Well, just the way that we're connected all the time. And even though like, I have no social media... But I still have a smartphone, and my li- make no mistake, like my life is better because of my smartphone and my smartwatch and all of that other, you know, the the just the products that I have, like my life is better. I feel like, but I still I check the news and I'm on YouTube or podcast yep. whatever all day, or at least I have connectivity to it, and when you have the capability for 24-7 content, you also kind of become addicted to it. Yep. And that kind of, like... My thought is that, like... This too shall pass. So... You can frame it however which way that you want like in other words like that phrase is basically saying like time moves on time whatever way you want to spin it if you want right. to spin it in a positive or a negative light like cause you could say this too shall pass on a positive thing and technically you're not wrong like if I just won an Olympic race yeah somebody <clears throat> I got the medal, I'm happy, I'm ecstatic. Yep. What's Some, coming around the corner? Somebody could say, this too shall pass, and they wouldn't be wrong. No, definitely not. <laughs> like, but you, we frame it in the way of something negative, of this too shall pass, and you think, you know, there's something better is around the corner. and um, But in the, in the context of, like, social media and 100% instant connectivity... 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It's like... I don't know how to describe it because it's never not like... Yes, this one individual thing will pass, but there is always something else. We're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. Yep. And... I don't... Like... It's so hard because they're like... I want to be optimistic... And there are so many things positive that have happened in my lifetime or just in the last, you know, like since I I feel like since I became an adult, 
that it's like I don't know like I feel like it's a constant beat down yeah and I so I think a couple things with that <clears throat> the first one to jump on the immediate back is the issue of so like you you brought upon the this too shall pass part it being in context of a positive event that you know let's say you're flying high and you're going to come back down to earth mm-hmm. i think there's something i don't know if it's an upbringing i don't know if it's experience i don't know what exactly it is to pin down but let's just take it on its face We've talked about before <clears throat> the immediate reaction of when something goes, and maybe this is where you can pen it to pessimistic viewpoint versus optimistic, because <clears throat> we've talked in the past of like when something good happens, we're immediately ready for that downfall to come, but. When some in the inverse side of that, when something negative happens, I I don't think that something positive is happening immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm almost preparing for step two, step three, step four yeah. of negative downslide, and then I could be like, all right, there has to be a win that's coming somehow. And like some of the things that I've gone through the last couple months, I've come to the fact that you know these major downslides, I can, you know, you're in that mode of being beat down so much Mm -hmm. that even something so slightly positive is, like, hugely uplifting. Yes. So... A conversation or a compliment uh, is massive, which is kind of the ebbs and flows of what I'm not, like... And that should be affirmation of, like, Again, like not to get terribly philosophical, but when people say things like, oh, you don't know how far a compliment could go or how far just a nice <clears throat> gratitude, that saying, gratitude goes a long way. Like, you don't know. The, the person on the other end, what? Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those things that people are like, And that's one of the things that, as I get older, I become just more cognizant of. Yes. And it's not even necessarily because I'm trying to be more cognizant of other people. To me, it's just more that I'm becoming more cognizant as far as thinking like I think my thinking just kind of goes out of control a lot of times sure and I think that's just one of the things that's been picked up on the peripheral of first thing I think of when it comes to that in particular is I used to love not love that sounds it's it's not completely true because it's not like I loved it and I sought it out. But like when something goes wrong, 
a typical, a stereotypical instance, let's bring up like being on the phone with a customer service person. Mm -hmm. Something shitty just happened. You got billed more than you're supposed to, blah, 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 whatever. That's a perfect example. When I was younger, it's just like you chew this person out because maybe you get a little bit maybe what you want to happen which let's say in this instance is your bill going down back to what it was supposed to let's say that happens that's the ideal situation but maybe just to make you feel good you chew the person out that's on the other end and you feel a little bit better just because I, I don't I, I don't personally know to get into that deep of thought but the most simplistic way you look at it is you're venting your frustrations right. and they are the face of the company. And so yep. the, in other words, the company is hearing it from you. Right. Exactly. When in practical terms, this is just another They're, person who's paid an hourly wage and that literally hold the phone away from their right. ear. And then they're like, yeah. Okay. Is the din gone? All right. Yeah. Well, and like part of that too I think is obviously like just growing up and understanding things more. Part of it, I think, also is you start to gain experiences to where you might have been that person on the other side of the phone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you start to feel... One of the things that started to trigger it a little bit for me is you start to feel bad when you have been that person on the other side of the phone. And that happens maybe like one out of a hundred times mm-hmm. that you get some super asshole and then you start to think like am I going to be that one out of a hundred if it's one out of 60 or something or I'm sorry if it's like 60 out of a hundred mm-hmm. that's one thing but if you're that one out of 100 do you really want to be that person at the same point you you know like you kind of mentioned they're just the face of it and you kind of start to learn as you get older that detachment and how things are structured and you no longer are talking to you know x insurance company on the phone you're talking to peggy sue who is cs rep one of 260 right. that just happened to get your call and do you want to be the one that she goes home to her husband and says there was some fucking prick on the phone today that said this, this, and this, and I could do nothing about it. Like You don't want to be that person. Right. Now, if it's somebody that truly deserves it and is being a prick, then situation changes quite a bit. But that was one of the things. I was on the phone with a cable company one time. This probably would have been three years ago now. And I signed up for some entry thing because I was a new mover. Now, I had called them at the time and straight up asked them, is this going to be my locked-in price? And they said, yes, it's your locked-in price. And on the thing, it said, for four years, it was my locked-in price. And after a year, it went up, which is what initiated the call. And, and I had this conversation, and I vented my frustration to this person. But as I'm on the phone, because she was lovely, she did exactly what she was supposed to do, by this time, I had worked certain jobs like that, so I knew yep. how, 
I knew I know how cadence goes. I know what they're reading off of on the yeah. back. I know that stuff. There's so steps and yep. First objection, go here. Second objection, here's this. Third objection, here's this. If they don't, all right, bye. Right, you know how it works. That, yeah. So, and I'm on the phone with her, and I straight up had the conversation with her in a real person sense, and I said, I'm not frustrated at you. Obviously, I'm frustrated. I know you're just doing your job, and I want to apologize to you because I'm just really pissed off. Right. But unfortunately you're the person and it's just like it's those kind of things it it is in in a way is a 21st century common courtesy because it's like just like you said i know that this is not your fault you're you happen to be the human being that i'm talking to through through these electrical signals on the other line right this is nothing you to do by with random you. chance, I popped up in your queue. The, you are paying your rent by hearing me, because yeah, I can't get the CEO's number. Right, because right. if I could, I would have. Right, I'd be talking to him right now. <laughs> no offense to you, but that's what I want to complain to. And like, yeah, I just think that's a lot of it. There was another point that I wanted to jump probably farther farther back to um just about the amount of information that's out there and how readily available everything is and it's what like the shit we're about to say is not anything groundbreaking like this i've never full disclosure audience i've never said i've never uttered a groundbreaking (laughs) phrase in my life (laughs) In case any of you were wondering, you know, if you want to peel back the curtain. Every time there's like another side note I want to jump on. But I do want to jump on that because I think that's very, like, a great thing to get out there. We're just saying this shit because we want it to get on, like, recorded. Yeah. Because we think we're having a valuable conversation that maybe some people might enjoy. Maybe just us, like, later down the road when we stumble upon it and we don't even realize we're listening to ourselves. But, yeah, this whole pod, none of this stuff is supposed to be brown, groundbreaking. No. All of this is just, like, what's on our mind at the time. Maybe somebody can relate to it just because they're thinking the same way. But, yeah, none of this shit. I think you have too many, like, and maybe this is an attack that I don't want to go on or is unwarranted or, you know cliche because probably other people do it but like i think there's a lot of other just like podcasts especially startup ones where like people are like we're gonna do this and we do this and they need to listen to us because of this like none of that shit is gonna come from here like none of the shit that goes through our minds is other than maybe like one-liners or stupid shit like that is going to be something that nobody else has ever said before. I am losing money on this podcast every month. So you, please subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know it is not there is nothing on the line. Like this is for our pure enjoyment. Like 100%. Anybody who wants to like anybody who is listening to this, which is about 3 of you, 
Thank you very much. Uh, Nani, hi. Yeah, my grandmother is listening. Uh, unfortunately, she doesn't go to bars anymore. <laughs> but if the other two people want to pick up our tabs at any point, you know, that, that that's a great thank you. T.Y. <laughs> literally makes the year... Makes my uh, <laughs> it makes my years worth of paying for this service <laughs> that I'm recording this on worth it. No, but in all seriousness, it, like like you said, like we're just doing this for our own enjoyment and just getting in front of a microphone and right. saying this stuff, knowing that it's recorded for forever for perpetuity, and maybe someday I'll be on my deathbed if I can still operate an iPhone, <laughs> which at that point is also. You know, it's funny because, like, I don't think people are talking about this, but when I'm on my deathbed, my iPhone is probably, or I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to space it out a little bit, too, by not saying much else. But whatever smartphone that I have is also going to be operating my sex doll. So that's mm. going to be pretty cool. That's a valid point. And I'm going to be on my deathbed operating my sex doll. With and your I'll family say, around you. Yeah, and that's mostly for their enjoyment. You know, I'm just kind of doing it for them at that point. Oh, that that's Dad's yeah, move. Grandpa, you were uh, that was always your, his move. You're a real fox, and I'm gonna say you so, know what's next, kids, don't you? You do. <laughs> and I'm gonna say like, hey, he's reaching from behind. Whatever service that I'm asking you to play, blazing the bullpen from October. 2020 and they're gonna be like well this is october of 2023 like i don't know why you're <laughs> but that's no what device I'm gonna, is hooked up here that's what i'm gonna I, that's what i'm planning on being on my deathbed is just a few years from now but that's the real reason that we're recording all of this you went to get on a couple of points and i have to piss badly mm-hmm. so i'm going to you know again i'm i'm actually turning the lights up on the theater of the mind that is radio broadcasting and podcasting. So if you could carry it for about 90 seconds. I think I can do it because I think I did have a point, which I think is valid. We'll find out later. But uh, one of the things you touched on earlier was this idea of how frequently people get information and how abundant all this information is. And one of the things we talked about was the gut feeling. So many people now have gone away from their gut feeling because they're siloing their information. And I think that's why we have such a division in political sides and comedy sides. Just whatever people want to put their interests interests into they silo themselves and put themselves into that environment because they can create it if you take twitter for example you can go on there and you follow anybody you want to and not follow or see anything you don't want to so that becomes you know again very siloed in everything but what people go away from is their gut feeling especially some of these young kids i don't know just about shit about TikTok other than it's an app and apparently there's a bunch of young people on it but 
with them starting out in TikTok or whatever, they, and this whole idea of influencers being such a massive thing right now, especially these, like, younger, I don't want to use the term generations because I'm not that old and I think it's overused, but these younger kids having access to these apps and being able to create their own environments that they again, silo themselves into and not trust their gut feeling or who they are, they're influenced from a young age to see and align with what whoever or whatever influencers they follow. So I think we were brought up in right around the time where we understand that that stuff's going on and we can see it and there's a lot of us that still use it, but we understand that we grew up enough that we had to trust our gut and our family and our, uh, you know, people we surround ourselves with and just our experiences in general. There's going to be these younger kids that grow up and a lot of their experiences and their fucking views regardless of whether it's political or comedic or you know news focused or whatever it would be they're gonna be siloed to that from age fucking 12 or whenever they get a cell phone up until you know whatever's gonna happen in the future so people need to start to you know, revert back to themselves and maybe there will be some sort of huge break of when oh is he Aoki's leaving? Is it Oki? Oki? Okay. Steve just left. He he's got the whole system set up. He went out for a smoke break, but that was what the tripping was. <clears throat> but all yeah, all these kids are not gonna be able to have that balance of mixing their experience and things like that. They're going to be attached to their phones. And not to stereotype, not to say this is going to happen in every instance, but I think it's one of those growing trends of projections, things we talked about. But again, like this influencer model and thing is just becoming more and more prevalent on social media. And you're going to start to see those silos. And I think even during these elections, by taking no side, you're starting to see those silos and those split of like what they're fed on from a news basis, from a stance basis, from what's right, what's wrong, what's, you know, fake news, what's not. All this kind of stuff is just continuing And again, like with this TikTok shit, you've got kids that are fucking, you know, 18 to 20 years old, apparently living in these houses. I don't really still understand how all this stuff works, but they live in houses and shit and make millions of dollars. And it's, you know, they do stupid, funny videos, but these younger kids than them are following them. And they're just going to continue to follow them because they're so impressionable at that age we didn't have that stuff when we were that young like we didn't have stuff to where we could silo ourselves outside of again the environment we grew up in 
you know, parents that raised us or grandparents or guardians or whatever it may be, you're still dealing with a person rather than somebody behind a screen that's fucking all the way across the country that you literally have no connection to and would never stop on the middle of the street to see you because they have no fucking clue who you are. But all this stuff is going to continue to be siloed and people just need to, you know, come back to themselves and disconnect from their phones and shit. At certain points, that's hypocritical, but, you know, at the same time, we didn't grow up exactly like that and it's just the way things are kind of going right now. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Um, I had a thought when I was Stephen, when I was seeing, uh, you know, that fellow, whoever it was that was borrowing the studio. When I, I was seeing him out, walking to his car and everything, and I had a thought that I wanted to ask you about. It doesn't relate to what you were just talking about, but in a, I, I guess in a way, it could I? I don't know. Um, I'm not saying me, but like, if a friend of mine had it. Like, let's say they had a phone screening. You know, they're they're not at the point that they have even an offer yet. But, you know, we're talking about... They could stop doing what they were doing that they know is bad for them. But they're not going to make as much money. Like, right off the rip, I was thinking about this. I, and I don't mean it in a... I went down a couple of rabbit holes in my head. And I was like, you know, like... You could put up with what you're dealing with now. And still make the same amount that you're going to make. And more in the future. If it is that terribly toxic, you could not do that, do something else, and pursue greener pastures, but you're going to do it at the cost of making what you used to make. What do you think? Like, like in other words, like you're going to make less, but maybe you're taking the chance on you're not going to want to kill yourself all the time (laughs) so a couple points to that the first one i'll start off with is when i was most previously looking i don't even know if that statement makes sense but whatever it's out there now the one of the big things for me Because I I had a shift in my most uh, recent position. I had a shift to where, and again, like it's early on in my career. There's obviously going to be learning moments like this. You go talk to 100 out of 100 people and they're probably going to tell you the same thing. Maybe not. Maybe there are certain people that, you know, because of their 
degree and profession that it's just a get in and ride it till the end type of position. So we'll say those outliers. But I think for the vast majority, let's say it's it's non like hyper specialized position. There's gonna be people that when they entered the job force, they thought one thing and naturally things happen, you grow like for sixteen million reasons, stuff changes. For me when I first started I, and not even when I first started, but progressed to a leadership position, I had my mind set on one thing as far as like what I wanted my lifestyle to be, what I wanted to do professionally, like what hierarchy I wanted to be in, all that kind of shit. Probably over the last year, year and a half or so. And again, a lot of it depends on the organization you're in, just natural experience. Again, any number of factors. We can fucking list them for six hours. Right. But those things change and you start to realize... What's taking an effect on you and what's a benefit for you? So, number one thing that I wanted to address there was when I was looking for a new position, one of the major things, because in my mind, at some point, I don't know how far down the road... But I think I would enjoy working for myself. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I looked for in particular was I had experience in some technical things as far as like project management goes and analysis goes and things like that and just exposure to it. That, you know, again, was around software development, just web development, things like that. That's a progression in technology, which just the way things go, naturally, technology is going to progress. Uh, Certain other things are going to regress or, you know, at least top off or slow down. That was one of the things I, in an ideal position, was going to be around. I was lucky enough to find that. But the main thing behind that was I wanted to be able to, right now, find a position that was going to help me grow towards that goal in within a you know area that I could be like, okay, this is where I could see myself maybe carving out here because I think a lot of the time... Again, this is not anything that's groundbreaking. But if you're going to look to branch off into probably a service or something like that, even if it's a product, you're going to start off as a small business. Again, that's clearly not earth-shattering. 
but even if as a service, what you can do and what I love about small to medium sized businesses is there's a lot of outsourcing because a business as a whole is going to grow and benefit the most when it sticks to putting as much resources into what it does particularly well. And then you have other, everything out that outside of that that makes a business run. You have resources externally that you can hire on. In other words, what you're saying is you're minimizing overhead to provide the highest quality service. And if you're pro- like, even if it is a product that you're producing, yep. which is like you get into that, that's where, not, again, not to get political, but where like manufacturing in the United States is not competitive is because it, you know, there is a lot that goes into manufacturing something in the United States versus somewhere else. Yeah. Um, not that we want to get into that, but that's where the debate of, it's not a debate, this happened. The United States economy switched from manufacturing into a service economy. And now you can argue that there are products that come as a service because there's a whole shift. Yeah. Well, let's even take some completely random example let's say you develop you're a handyman there is some like pain point that you have consistently you know 16 million other people that have the same issue because you've been in the industry for however long and you create a product that solves this pain point you know what this product is. You know what makes it great. You might not know how to market it. So you can then produce this product, but you now need somebody to market it. So you hire an agency to market it. Your company grows, so now you need somebody to do your accounting. So you hire somebody that does your accounting that's outsourced. And depending on your growth, you reevaluate to whether or not it's better for you to hire somebody in internally to pay them a set price or continue off with these outsourced services. But at the same time, it was better for you as a product manufacturer Mm -hmm. to hire these people on because you not knowing marketing might've spent and maybe tanked yourself doing that by yourself. Hiring, putting out an ad hiring somebody right yeah I just had a terrible thought (laughs) this podcast isn't a product or a service correct this podcast is content yes there are I don't know a terabyte is a lot for me as Mm -hmm. a personal user I don't know what the next step above a terabyte is. A hundred terabytes. I don't know that either. There are thousands of them, if not millions, in content. Yeah. And I just, when you were talking about that, I had the thought, this podcast literally serves nobody. 
it is not a service. It's not a product. And I pay a third party to... But they do everything. Yeah, they right, exactly. Like, they, they do it all. All you have to do is this. I hit record. Yep. I save the file, or I export it as a... Because even that in itself, if you want to isolate just that, for you to do that by yourself, you would need a web page. You would need a developer. They do it all. They put it on everything. Right. Spotify. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. What's the other one? HBO. No. We locked that down yet? No, we're working on that. We're still talking (laughs) with them. We want to get a deal. Because I'm looking... You know, like... You know... I am looking to have a part in The Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos movie. And if we can't come to terms, that's fine. But I don't and think... And they'll it, be sorry for it. I don't think it would be much for Pauly Galtieri to make an appearance on this podcast. Um, other than that, you know, they can hear us on everything else except for HBO. 100%. That aside... Folks, I don't want to open myself up to a slander or libel suit. <laughs> that was all in jest. But that's what you're dealing with on the Blaze and the Bullpen podcast. Is we, we seriously, we take you down the theater of the mind where you don't know if we're being serious or joking or not. And uh, as silly as we're being right now, we really, you know, we have a knack for, I don't want to say pop culture, um, but it, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, pop culture, and cinema, TV, radio, it's just, we're just trying to have fun, you know? And. We're ne- like I would n- never would I ever try to profit off of somebody else's works. Um, this is all on record, so not only do I have to say that, but I, I really do believe that. Like I would ne- never in a million years would I try to you know get ahead because somebody else came up with a genius idea. That being said, I don't know the law. So if somebody wants to send me the strict regulations on parody and um, fair use, go right ahead. But beyond that, all that we're trying to say is, you know, if they did want to offer me a part in the Many Saints of Newark, I would take it. Sight unseen, and at my own expense. Um, but the the other side of it is I'm going to need Pauly Galtieri to appear on this podcast. 
which I think is a fair trade. Um, oh, that's another thing that we haven't addressed yet. Now that we're past the hour threshold, literally three seconds past it. <sighs> Thank God. Um, the Bush sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Still haven't heard from anybody. Unbelievable. Dude, I'm, go- I'm going to Heineken. <clears throat> like, if, if Anheuser-Busch isn't going to play ball, literally cans upon cans. I have bottles, 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 and cans in this studio. There's... I have... I think there's sleeping... Somebody's sleeping underneath that pile of cans. Yeah, and it's, it really is getting upsetting that we have supported you for years. It's, Decades. It hasn't not. it hasn't been a year since the podcast started. That is true. But for decades, my family, friend you know, families of my friends have supported the business. I mess with the I have, I have one more. I have never said anything. No, it shouldn't even come to that. No, it's it's the opposite. There's never been even a neutral statement. No, it's been extremely positive. And the fact that the, you know, Anheuser-Busch hasn't come out in complete support, pathetic. I'm saying it now, pathetic. I mean, look, I don't mean to play hardball, but I... That could be, I'm not saying it is, that could be the sound of me going to Heineken. Because you had a good thing going and you didn't recognize it. Unbelievable. I don't want to go there, but you kind of forced my hand. There's often, you know, when you look back and most companies probably won't because they're not the ego would be too damaged to look at it. But when you look back at a business history book, and you look at the things, it's like, you know, this person had a chance to do this, and they passed up on it. Mm-hmm. This company had a chance to do yep. that, and they yep. passed on it. I mean... We're not saying that we're going to... You know, we're not saying that we are the next Apple, or that, you know the fate of Microsoft rests in our hands. We're not saying that. Mm -hmm. But what we are saying is, and let me backtrack, we're also not saying that Anheuser-Busch is going to go out of business. No. ABN Bev, you know, clearly you guys know what you're doing in the science of brewing and um, garnering a fan base. And then, you know, it's a little known secret, but apparently you guys have a bit of a, a corporate bent to you, too. You know, it, mm. it, it seems like you might have something going on there. What we are saying is that culturally, you're approaching bankruptcy. Mm. People are on to you. And if Enraged. You, if you don't get, if you don't start getting people in a grassroots campaign... You're going to be left behind. Standard Oil 
was the largest corporation in the world, and it made one man very rich for his lifetime. But you know what happens? Great. I'll let you in on a little secret. Mortality is real for everything, mm. whether it be for a human being or mm-hmm. a corporation. Everything, or a ghost. Or a ghost. Mm-hmm. Everything has a shelf life. What we're telling you is you have, I mean, you've got a whole, you've got your hand on the throat of culture. Mm. All you'd have to do is let go a little bit. And the people are there. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, if you want to continue operating the way that you have been, that's fine. We'll fight. Well, I'm not even going to go there. We'll just leave it at that. Anyway, the, the list of suitors it is too long. I don't even, you know, I don't want to mix business with the podcast. Because yeah. it, it seems like it would it's be a tacky. Taste. It's tacky. You know, I... Do, do I want to bring up that Heineken, you know, has been emailing me and knocking on my door? No, I don't want to do that. You know, and like, it, I, I'll be honest with you, my drinking is a little bit out of control. I don't think it would be appropriate if I said that Coca-Cola was, you know, calling every couple of days. They sent you that rebate. Dude, the gift basket that they sent was, I mean, not, and you know, here, again, I don't want to be inappropriate, but the one that they sent my mother was beautiful. And, you know, I, do you remember a couple of, you know, a few weeks ago or, or six weeks ago, whatever it was, I was in Michigan and, um. They put you up there, didn't they? Not, not not technically, but not only did they do that, room service, everything was top notch. And it's just like it it shouldn't have to get to this point of ugliness. That one sales rep sent you that picture. I, I mean it was Again, I don't want to go there. It was full body, chest out. His hair was unkempt, but the hair was there. If you'd have told me that this was a Greek god from, you know, 3,000 years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. I'd have thought, no, it's from 4,000 years ago. Because this is too incredibly beautiful for human eyes to, mm, to see. Mm-hmm. Neanderthalish. The fact that... Anheuser-Busch has been this difficult to get in touch with is just... I, I, I've never dealt with a company like this. And I deal with AT&T on a regular basis. They put you through the busy line. I, At the very least. You know, that'd be nice. It'd be in bed. I'm not saying anything, you know. I, I'd be happy to sponsor you. you. I will delete this podcast... The whole entirety of it, as much as we've gone down, as much as we've dealt with, I'll delete it if you just meet me halfway, you know? Send me a couple cases. But apparently, you're too important to be bothered with it. It, It's sad how much corporate greed plays into decisions. We had all those talks, 
all those hotels, you know, where we met uh, down in Santiago, Chile, mm. and and you're choosing to terminate the relationship this way, it's it's really quite upsetting. And the, I'm, I'm still drinking. Bush the products. meet and greet in, uh, in Greenland. I wasn't supposed to bring that up. But, you know, since you did, we'll get into it a little it's bit. It's in the open now. The you know, NDA's expired. The cruise that we went on, everything that transpired was in international waters. That much, you know, I talked to I talked to my assemblyman, I talked to a lawyer, I talked to the what's it called when you not the uh what what's it called at the at the embassy? The township. I did talk to the township about it because there were certain Certain folks did have warrants, but that that has nothing to do with what we're dealing with. No, that was it, co- completely different. It's irrelevant. No, but the uh, what what is it called at the at the embassy? The the ambassador. And yes, there were Polaroids, and yes, there may have been feathers involved. That has nothing to do with. Yeah, I heard that too. Probably it, you know. Oh, listen again. And if they are using their FBI connections to spy, yeah, that's fine too. I'm just saying. It's know, just a lost cause. They could just listen to the episode. As much promotional content as we've given them, I would think that they, <clears throat> you know, play ball. But you know, if that's the way that they want to go, that's fine. You know, this will be my last case of Bush that I ever drink. Did they ever unblock your email? No, no, they didn't. Not to my knowledge. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I think you are missing out on about $4 billion worth of profits if I don't buy Bush anymore. Because we have gone on record, I do have an alcoholism problem. You know who wouldn't do this? Heineken. Not only Heineken, but Yoder. He has his own brews down in his base. He would never do this. No, he He calls would. all the time. Yeah, he only has interest He in was knocking at the door earlier. He basically tackled Steve Yoki. We just gave a seven-minute promo to Anheuser-Busch. We and Yoder. We also slandered the... We also... We didn't slander anybody. But we alluded to the slander of uh, many uh, folks. Mm-hmm. This might be the last episode. I've long said, like... If anybody ever wanted to assassinate me... They wouldn't have to go through some intricate plot. <laughs> they would just, like... If they knew where I worked and knew where I parked my car, it would take two days of trailing. Mm-hmm. I text in the crosswalk. They could literally just, <coughs> just run me down. It wouldn't take much. Hey, they'd me. never figure it out either. No. Pedestrian. He, he was texting. Wouldn't I have to pay anybody off? They'd be like, yeah, he texted within a minute. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> I did. Do you do you notice that kind of stuff? I so I was. This is 
a random thought, but it is kind of correlated. So the new building I'm at, I don't know what other companies are in the building or what they do or anything like that. All I know is our, our company is there. We don't have many people in the office right now. And I know that we used to have a customer service department on the fourth floor, I think. Whatever floor. They've all been work from home. And I hardly see people in there other than the people that I work with. So there's not a lot of people in the building. Therefore, not a lot of people in the parking lot. But I was leaving for lunch today. And I drove past and there was this random car. It was on. But it was in like the depths and corners of the parking lot just by itself on what are they doing there they gotta be doing something weird right right like what what else are you moving you're moving far away in a basically empty parking lot so it's not like you're moving away in a you know walmart parking lot yeah yeah, yeah. you're in an empty parking lot in the corner I think about that sort of thing and I think about like it. I yeah it's just like because you don't want to if it was just a normal car parked because obviously I think about that if I'm like oh I gotta eat real quick before I go back in how old am I I'm when am I born? I'm born in 1994 <laughs> So I'm six, seven years old when 9-11 happens. So that's when, like, you really start... That's when I started, like, really kicking on. Like, I feel like I still get emotional when I think about 9-11 sort of stuff. I remember... I was in fourth grade. Is that right? Yeah, right? right. I was in second. Okay, yeah, yeah. Checks out. So I was in fourth grade. We were at the... We had the Tuesday... Uh, swimming lessons at the Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were at the Y, and I can't remember if we didn't swim that day or if we had just finished our lessons, but we were in, like, the lobby, and there was this, like, tiny, tiny TV. And I remember, like, I remember watching the tower's fall okay and just being like well that's not yeah that's not normal yeah like i that was about all the like context that i could put together was that that just wasn't something that was normal or but that was it like i didn't look at it and be like oh man something's happened like i just knew like Like, what I saw in a tower, like, falling on itself was not normal. In other words, folks, what we're trying to tell you is that... Go to your local YMCA. (laughs) Not only that, but the... we We grew up 
mostly in a post-9-11 world <clears throat> where we didn't exactly have the same framing that our parents did because, like, <clears throat> it is a very clear... Like, that shit happened during our childhood. So the framing of our childhood is very different than that of our parents. My point about it is when you're talking about what were you talking about earlier? Nine eleven. The safety sort of thing. <clears throat> um, I feel like the post nine eleven world. There's a very distrusting sort of attitude that permeated throughout the culture. So I'm not going to lie, whatever we talked about with the neighbor on the porch earlier, yeah. that was pretty disturbing to me. Really? Yeah. Uh, disturbing in the fact that, like, I felt awful that somebody had to deal with that. Okay. I don't... I hate to say that I was unsurprised by it if that's even a word I don't know if that's <clears throat> but it just kind of made me sick that like he would have to deal with that so um I'll just say he's not the anybody who's listening He's not from an Arabic culture, so we're not saying it that way. He expressed to us that he drove for Uber for a time and that he uh, endured ridicule, ridicule for his accent, even though he is a white European male. Um... Which is not right. Like, you shouldn't have to. But in the same breath... Uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't... <clears throat> it, it was almost more jarring. Maybe, because I don't personally run in... I don't think any of us do run in circles that that would ever come up just because of that. <clears throat> but I don't, like I don't. I don't know him. Uh, I. He's a good man. He's a good. From my understanding, my very little. He's a good dude. He's a father and a husband. He's fine. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was... That was weird. And I don't... <clears throat> He's not a bad person. Yeah, I don't... I think I'm kind of very surprised by how many people are using Uber right now, too. <clears throat> Just because of the landscape. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've used it. We Yeah, I mean, we've definitely <clears throat> used it or at least attempted to. Those certain places we've been around for, like, we've happened at weddings that are, like, very, you know, out in the open, remote the last couple weekends. And, we, you know, we've attempted to get the one driver in the county, but have not been successful. That's the thing is that it's a lot more expensive now. Yeah, I haven't. I actually I do kind of want to make that point, and I want to put them on record for this. So we were at a hotel on Saturday, and at a certain point, we could have scheduled one. It was like a fifteen minute, or not even. It was like a ten minute drive. We could have ordered an Uber for fifteen dollars. Like. 10 minutes later, we tried to order it or schedule it. It said no drivers were available. It was $15. Three minutes later, after a discussion of, you know, what we were going to do, right, what right, right. You know, the plan was, blah, blah, blah. Go back on there. Again, no drivers available. Uber then quoted us $55. How can you quote somebody... For a drive when you have no drivers available. I, sometimes, I, I don't understand, and I'll point this out there, I don't know what is, you know, classified as slander or anything like that. I don't understand how Uber operates a lot of times. I just don't, like, I just don't. I guess they are just the first, and I don't really ever see Lyft marketing. I love... So maybe Uber is just the big bad bully in the market, but holy shit, they do a lot of shit stuff where I'm just like, I don't fucking it understand. Is, it is the Wild West, because I think, I can't remember, I think it was a California court. Mm-hmm. Employees just, versus yeah yeah just said that they're employees they're not independent contractors yeah like they uh, they are employees, uh which has the the industry that I am currently engaged in. There are tax implications for that right on both the employer and employee side if. Yep. If this is indeed, which I'm not going to say because there's a legal implication for everything. Mm. If this is indeed something that is going to be upheld or a, <clears throat> what would you call it? Like a, what do they call it? We just mentioned it a little bit ago. A precedent. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I like I have my own personal opinions just based on sure. gut feeling, but... And, Outside and, of that. And, and of course we can get into that. I'm just trying to guard myself. From, yeah, no, from for lawsuit. sure. I mean, that's about <laughs> as much as I'm going to say. Is just, I have my own feelings, so. But, um... The whole... That thing is like... Well... The company... If you are at will... To be a contractor with... You yep. can set the prices and agree to pay you what... It, you sign a, 
You sign an agreement. You agree upon those. We're going to pay you, like, regardless of what demand is and what we're going to charge you, you're going to get paid this. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, and then it's like, okay, are they employees? Are they, is it taxed this way? Is it taxed that way? I don't know. That's for the lawyers and the... Right. That's for them to figure out. I think... It's such a tough thing, too, because... I've never met a full-time Uber driver. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to classify that, to be honest with you. You could work full-time for Uber if there's no demand for it. Right, like, how do you... Because it's not like they log their... You might make... You get paid based on, you know, a per-ride basis. I would assume. I guess I don't know. You might make... But I would highly doubt that they're paying them just based on availability. No, I think it's... And it is on demand. And, like, why should Uber, as a corporation, if they have people willing to do the work for them, why should they have to pay them I guess it that is where it comes into like a government interventionist argument of like, look, you're clearly taking advantage of these people because there is demand and you charged, you made money hand over fist. Um, and that's the other thing. Yeah, I don't know what you know. Under these circumstances, Uber pays the drivers. You made money hand over fist on the backs of these people who basically undertook their time, the depreciation on their vehicle, not only the depreciation, the straight line depreciation that, like, we understand <clears throat> it's a vehicle is a depreciating asset because their time is one thing. They can do it or they can't. They agreed to it or they didn't. Right. Right? Under our capitalist, uh, you know, what what we all, whether or not you like it or, you know, whether you like it or not. Right. What the system is. They agreed to it or they didn't. But then, depreciation on their vehicle, again, their choice, like they have the vehicle, you know, they, Uber doesn't, well, shouldn't say that. Uber might own in cities where there are protections, like they might own vehicles that they operate as cabs, but then they get into the whole that whole other thing. Right. We know too. We know too much about a broad scale of things. Yeah. And then too little about specific markets. Yeah. No. Hundred uh, percent. So the one thing. Because that's the other thing is like they also incur their gas. They incur. Yeah. Like, Uber's not on the hook for any of their drivers' gas that they paid for, the uh, upkeep, maintenance, all of that, the nonsense that they, you know, they cover, I understand that they cover, like, if somebody pukes in an Uber car, because let's face it, yeah, Uber's for drunk people. Yep. <laughs> Which is a great... We did get a little bit of validation on that earlier. Overall... That is a great thing. If you're keeping drunk people off the road, yeah, that is a huge. But 
like Uber is almost a public service in that regard. A hundred percent. And I mean, if you take it just on that, like, face, you're providing a, like you said, a public service to, if you want to skim everything else below it, you're providing public service to areas that didn't have that before. Mm-hmm. Smaller towns, municipalities, whatever it was, they didn't have stuff like that. Like, those people were probably driving drunk to be... If you, like, if you had the data to show that you reduced drunk driving or, like, that is huge. Or even just the... If you think about, because, like, cab... I'd say I didn't want to have have one more point before I probably tap out for the live feed. Because there are things I want to talk to you about off air. Oh, yeah. The one thing I think everybody has to start to understand about most companies. I say most companies. It's probably applicable when I say most, but... You know, we'll just, uh, just to have this point out there, most companies have a data monetization, I, I don't know if you would call it a product or a department or whatever, Uber is a data company. Mm-hmm. I, and I, this by no means is slander, I think it's just business model standpoint they provide a service that i i myself love i'm all about i'm all for i'm heavily invested in like i use it as much as possible yeah personally like i use it and like i brought up lyft earlier if i'm going to one app on my phone it's going to be uber like i just know based on availability that's going to be better for me i do it I, I weigh it out. I have both apps. Whoever is cheaper mm-hmm. and within reason for timing. Yeah. Because right. I'm a man who has a busy schedule. If Lyft provides a cheaper service, which they often do, and it is within reason of the timing, I will use Lyft. And that's right. And if it's, Uber it's is always those trade-offs. And more timely, or it is timelier, which is often the case because it is the bigger dog in the fight, but it comes at a premium of 70 cents. Right. I will use Uber. Yeah. That's and free market capital. Like, right. <clears throat> like, as a consumer. Data is tracked everywhere nowadays. Like, you have to just... Assume and realize that these companies are based on data. Like, they're monetizing that. Uber is a data company, as is basically every company now. Although, they provide different services, so... And you, as a person... On their face, service value... Again, I don't know what Uber drivers get paid, but what that business using it looks like operationally from a profit and loss standpoint 
might be completely different from what the company looks like as a whole. But you as a person, an individual man, if I can assume, you know, all of those. Correct. Uh, you know all of that stuff. Because I tell people, when I, when I tell people about you, I say like, again, without going into specifics, I say he understands how all of that stuff works. Because to the consumer or the regular user who I Google or I search engine a thing (laughs) and then I get ads for it. Yeah. You understand how all of that works. Whereas most people look at it like magic. And that's like... I'm not going to you know, stand up here like I'm saying I'm some kind of expert. Like, I know I've worked some behind-the-scenes stuff, so that's why I have exposure to it. Like, Right. But... It's not magic. It's it, And that's... It's hard for me sometimes when I'm dealing with that aspect of it because you have to remove yourself from that. Right. Because what you see and what you understand as somebody that... And it's it's not just me. It's like... You could see yourself as that now because you've had exposure behind the curtain. Anybody that has that or has dealt with that kind of stuff, you... And I think it depends on, too, what your... As corny as this is, what your heart and your intentions, your prior intentions are. Because there are people that know both sides... But if they're pure intention, and I, I don't mean that in, because you can be a marketer and that's your job and that's your position, and that's fine. But there's obviously other services that are all gauged in on, you know, tricking people and, you know, getting right, right. people that don't understand. Right. That kind of shit I'm not okay with. Right. But from a, true marketing standpoint that's how marketing goes now but from the standpoint of certain people that might have ill intentions they don't see anything past i know that if i send this out here to this demographic i'm gonna have a 50 percent conversion rate of people that have no fucking clue how this shit shows up on their timeline or how this shit and when I talk about ill intentions most of that is not only behind the line but like even removed farther from the service itself but like you're talking stuff where it's like auto renewal businesses and like scammy shit is what I'm talking about like if you're a fucking marketer, you have to, like you're a digital marketer, you you're doing your fucking job. Like right. I, I'm not talking ill intent on you at all. Like I've I've done that job. I know, like you know what I mean. But it's the scammy shit. The you have to opt subscribe. What exactly? Opt Some out fucking three times bullshit. And yeah. If you don't reply to the email, then right. You, yeah. Fucking eighty plus demographic yep. to where they fucking subscribe once because my fucking. My grandpa does that shit. Yeah. My mom gets really pissed at him, but he still continues to do it 
Because that's just what that demographic does, and there's people that live off of that shit. And as you said, it's clearly targeted <clears throat> towards somebody who's... Exactly. Yeah. It's fucking taking advantage of people, and that's what they do. And whatever, you fucking found a business opportunity, good for you, but in my mind, you're still a piece of shit. Right. You're not- like, that's not going to change my fucking mind. I maybe respect you for finding a business opportunity because I like that kind of stuff, but you're still a piece of shit because you're doing it the lazy way and shady way, and you're just a garbage can. But, so that's what I mean when I'm talking like, you know, there's a significant difference between just being a digital marketer against that kind of shit. Um... But, you know, all these companies are data companies and that, you know, whether you acknowledge it or not, like, everything that you interact with and all this kind of stuff, like, if you take Uber on its surface, the data they get from Uber is they know where your destination is. Which means, if you're going to bar A... Bar B can see you as a profile, as somebody that's going to their competitor. So they're going to market to you some special offers. So instead of you going to bar A, you're now going to bar B. Like, and that's just how that kind of stuff works. And it, it's no indication to anybody because that's just how data works. It's just how marketing works. It's just how all this infrastructure is built now. Which... Me, I kind of have like a love-hate relationship with. I love it because it provides a bunch of insights that I have some knowledge into, which, you know, I can build off of and benefit professionally And on. As a consumer, knowing how it works, if bar A and bar B are three feet away from each other and you input your inputs on the consumer end, are two different addresses. Well, and, like, the other side of it, too, is because I don't, like, again, I want to solidify that I'm not shitting on, like, this whole system. Right. Because you as a consumer might have only known bar A. And you only went to bar A because that's where you've been going. If you go to bar B once, you might legitimately like bar B more than you did bar A. And you, like, you now have been exposed to bar B because they got you in there. Because, let's say for circumstance, they gave you a $10 off coupon. Mm-hmm. So you, that's why you tried bar B. And you now like bar B. So they're benefiting from your business. And you're benefiting because you like them better from a quality standpoint from any number of standpoints, like it's beneficial for all. Like marketing is not just like hook and fucking go type right. of shit. Like there's no guarantees. All this kind of stuff, the meaning and intent behind it is to line you up with what you truly enjoy for the benefit of both parties, the consumer and the business. So, like I'm by no means at all shitting on digital marketing and that kind of stuff that would be like hypocrisy on my point but you know i'm trying to specify the 
scammer bullshit type of stuff. That's and at the end of the day, as a consumer, it is your dollar. You right. You do get to you make choose. the choice. Because there's tons of people, and I've been a part of it, and I know other people have been. You get a ten dollar coupon, or some coupons might even be better, or offers, or whatever you want to call them, whatever the circumstances. I could go catch a free meal. Somebody's gonna go catch a free meal. Yep. Like, and they took their shot on you as somebody that might come back, and you got a free meal out of it. So. You can't tell me that's not beneficial. And again, I just like want to reify that I'm not shitting on all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean it's fucking a lot. I'm exhausted now. It is really. It's an exhausting <laughs> endeavor. It is. It's a fucking giant. I don't know what you would call it even. And then at the end of the day, when we are, we really are the marionettes. Yeah. Like. Because all of us, like, regardless of what you, and that's the other side of it, is regardless of how much you know, everybody is still a consumer. I have to cite Opie and Anthony, because they're, like, to me, they're a huge influence on my life. Mm-hmm. And they would bring up how like whatever that like their radio show grew you know it was a 20 year thing and they became hugely influential to the yeah. point of like you know they had scandals but whatever but they would bring up how uh even in the at the end they would say we're just two idiots but we have microphones in front of us. And it would impact, you know, like... Oh, yeah. So even though you and I would categorize ourselves that way, we're just we're just kind of two dummies doing yeah. the same thing. Like, if through whatever wild means this thing took off ever, and then somebody called us to the carpet on it, we'd go... We'd throw our hands up and go, look... We're just two idiots with a mic. Like, like, and that's that. Like, I didn't expect this to be. So, like, in that regard, when like Mark Zuckerberg is testifying in front of Congress and he says something to the tune of, "I started this thing in my dorm room." Yeah, I'm like, I get it. Like that. That makes sense. (laughs) I. That's yeah. That's a topic for another. complete you right, know right 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 six episode series but oh there's the documentary is already in the works uh, mm-hmm. oh that's why they came to my house the other day <laughs> well you helped him with it didn't you i yeah i did yeah yeah I, I, <laughs> when you guys were at harvard mm-hmm. yeah i was you wrote the co- from my understanding he just kind of had the connections you wrote the code yeah i did I did. It was just in scribble pad. That was the issue. I wrote it on paper. If we, I, I threw it away on accident. If we don't class, if we don't classify that this is a joke, we could probably be killed for just saying. Yeah. That. No, <laughs> th- that's probably Knowing true. How built, how but I, I feel is. like my family did visit Dick's Last Resort around the same time, <laughs> so I, I don't know what I wrote on a napkin at some point. So. I didn't know what code was, but you never know, right? 
Well, should we wrap it up? That's a wrap. All right, there are things I want to talk about off mic before my mm-hmm. illustrious co-host departs us. Mm-hmm. So we want to thank you all for listening in again. Turning in. Obviously, it's been incredibly educational for the listeners as well as for the hosts. We wish you all well. We wish you all uh, you know, a nice slumber. Yeah, and the um, good night. You know, this might be one of the last broadcasts before the election to end all elections. But I always remember, like, the past two presidential elections I voted in were also apocalyptic. In the this is the way I describe it. In the meantime, I the the last two presidential elections. 2012 was apocalyptic, depending on who I asked. That was the first one I was legally allowed to vote in. And um, between that, between the 2012 election and the 2016 election, I earned a college degree. Between the 2016 election and 2020 election, I got a full-time job that I've been employed in the whole time. And my pay, you know, like I, not just my pay has increased, but, you know, I feel like I've developed as a person. So I don't know, you know, like I I feel like election season, everything just ramps up and they make you, they, they, you know, they, look folks, they pedal in fear. You know, that's their game. It's not our game. It's not your game, but that that's just the way that these folks do it, whether they be in politics or the media or whatever. Like, keeping you scared and keeping you in your place or afraid is what they're all about. I'm not saying that they're doing this maliciously. It just, it's good business for them, not for us. Um, so, with that being said... The big thing now is go out and vote. I mean, vote if you want to. You know, you know if if you want to vote, vote. If you don't, do whatever you want. You know, um, within reason anyway. You know, vote if you want to vote. Don't vote if you don't want to vote. I don't really care. But uh, you know, we're we're all gonna be okay. When I, I want to emphasize that, like, you know, you're going to be fine. It's all, I'm not saying it's all good, like, oh, it's always improving. I'm just, you know, it's, it's all good in, in the sense that, like, it's okay. It's, it's never perfect, but it's, it's pretty good. And if it's not pretty good, you know, my heart goes out and reach out, you know. If you want to reach out to Anheuser Busch and let them know that it's not pretty good over here, that that's okay too. But uh, God bless. Uh, it's going to be November in a few days, and we're going to go in for a long winter. We're going to have a happy spring, I think. I think I think no matter what, no matter who's president, um, in the next week or like ten years. 
if it, I don't know who they're going to decide the president is. If they decide in the next week or if they decide in the next 10 years, I think we're still going to have a good spring. Spring 2021, I have a good feeling about. Let's hope so. But, uh, you know, happy spring. Um, no pressure pumps the Tony Phil. Yeah. And uh, Easter will be nice. And uh, that's it. So, good night.